So the New Testament reading is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. Jesus heals many. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach them there also. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Thanks be to God. So from that verse uh, 37 from Mark chapter 1. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for the words that you give to us in the scriptures and we pray now for your Holy Spirit to come and breathe into these words and bring them to life for us so that we might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. In this uh, gospel passage from uh, Mark, we are given some really interesting and fairly rare biographical details of uh, some of the disciples' home life. And in fact, the fact that Peter had a mother-in-law and uh, was therefore married. And although Peter's wife isn't actually named uh, here, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9.15 that in fact she was a believer and uh, she accompanied Peter on a number of his missionary journeys as did, interestingly, Paul tell us, some of the other wives of some of the, uh, of the disciples. And I find that really quite fascinating, that that little insight into the domestic and family life of some of these biblical characters. For me, it makes them kind of more real, which uh, is not always sometimes an easy thing to do. In many ways, these people who we read and see doing extraordinary things were just like you and me. They had wives and mother-in-laws and home life and everything else. And we get also another personal insight 
into the life of Jesus here in this opening chapter as Mark kind of sets out the stall, setting the pattern for Jesus' ministry. We get a little insight into the kind of workload and pressures Jesus experienced, the demands upon him, the expectations there were upon him. In this opening chapter of Mark, we, ha- we see him, just, we see one day, just one day of his life in Capernaum. And uh, we find him preaching in the synagogue, driving out demons, healing the sick, and so on. And then he goes back home to the home of Simon and Andrew and is perhaps looking forward to a nice lunch and the opportunity to put his feet up for a while. And then as soon as he gets in the door, they tell him Simon's mother-in-law is ill. And again, there is that expectation. They tell him, expecting him to do something about it. And of course, he does. And then later on, when, again, perhaps he might thought, I'll have a little nap now in the afternoon, there's a knock on the door. And the whole town is outside. The sick, the demon-possessed, expecting something from Jesus. And those of us that have been in full-time Christian ministry, or those of us who are still in full-time Christian ministry, will know exactly what that's like. And that perhaps at the end of a rather hard and stressful and demanding day, you get back home, switch on the TV, put your feet up, and the phone rings. Now, I'm not complaining about that, because actually that, that is the nature of Christian ministry. Such is the nature. That's part of our calling. We sign up for that when we follow the call of Jesus. And as we see, that's part of the pattern that he also followed in his own life. The demands, meeting the demands of the people that are in need. Part of our call is always to be available. But of course, so the other side of that, though, is there is never a time when we can say our work is done. I remember the times, perhaps fondly, when I used to work for a brief while in an office in London, and I could, at the end of the day, five o'clock, I could put my papers away and go out of the door and think, I've done for the day. We can never do that in Christian ministry. Because the danger is that of that, though, is that you can spend so much time giving out that in the end there is nothing left to give. Now, of course, that's not only true of Christian ministry. Increasingly, that is true of many people's lives, generally. People seem to be so busy today. When I uh, studied sociology many, many years ago now, uh, uh, we looked uh, at work and leisure 
And many sociologists of the t- at the time were saying that in the future, uh, because of all the technological advances, because of all these labour-saving ad- advances that were going to be made, we would have to be training people not for work, but we'd need to be training people for leisure, to cope with all the leisure time that they were going to have. I have to say, I've yet to see it. In fact, it seems to me, the opposite is true. That despite all the huge scientific advances that we have, it seems to me that now people are busier than ever before and have less spare time to have and enjoy. And I understand sometimes when people say to me, you know, we'd love to come to church. We'd love to come to church on Sunday, but it's the only time that we have together as a family. I understand that. But why? Why is it that the only time now we have is a Sunday? It seems to me that the harder we work the less we actually achieve. And that something in all of our activity and our business, something important, something of the true meaning and purpose of life is lost. One of the things that we hear in this reading about Jesus is that despite all the demands upon his time, all the the expectations that were upon him, he still found time to go off into a solitary place and spend some time in prayer. Even though, of course, it wasn't for long and eventually his disciples are looking for him and they come and they find him and they say, everyone is looking for you. And It's wonderful how Jesus, his patience, and say, look, for goodness sakes, just give me a few moments. He doesn't. He says, let's come, let's go. Nevertheless, it was a vital part of Jesus' life and ministry. Because by doing that, by going off into a solitary place and spending time with his father in prayer, he was reconnecting with his father He was finding himself again, discovering really himself in the bigger picture of what this life is all about. There was no way that Jesus could have been able to do what he did, give out so much from himself, unless he also spent time in prayer with his Father, receiving him. That was the key. In truth, if you give out without also receiving, sooner or later, the well is going to run dry. And if that was so important to Jesus, how much more so is it vital for us that in the busyness of our agenda, in all that we do, 
we carve out for ourselves some time when we can spend time reconnecting with our Father. That's, of course, what we're doing here today. I'm sure there are plenty of other things you could think of you might be doing this morning. But it's vital that we are here reconnecting and discovering who we truly are. In all the busyness of life, in all the things that we do, it's so easy for our spiritual life to run dry. In our reading from Isaiah, God puts us in our place and reminds us of who we are and our human limitations. With all of our scientific and technological advances that make up the modern world, we might easily think that we can do well now without God at all. We don't need God anymore. But God encourages us in that reading to get a proper perspective of our place in the universe. Isaiah says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, who spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught. And makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. It's only when we get that proper perspective of our place in the universe do we then have a proper understanding of who we actually are and our limitations and our weakness and therefore our need both physical and spiritual. As Isaiah says, despite all the energy of the youth, and I remember those times no longer, but he says even young men eventually will grow weary and they'll have to stop and rest because they're on their own, they're using up their own energy And that's like us, that when we, you just depend upon ourselves, eventually the well is going to run dry. Our relationship with God is going to become stale and uninspiring. God will seem distant. Unless we take time out to also receive from him. Those who, in the Revised Standard Version, it says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You know, we spend so much time doing that I wonder whether we ought to really be called human doings. But we are not human doings. We are human beings. God called us not simply to do but to be. And it's only when we can be what God intends us to be by spending each day stopping for a while and reconnecting with our Creator 
and simply being in his presence that we actually discover who we are and what our life is really all about. Thanks be to God. Amen.